two of our readings today dealt with calling, dealt with the Lord coming into the lives of other people. Uh, In the gospel reading, we have calling of the disciples, and in Jonah, we pick up the story after he had been called and told to go to Nineveh and went through some tough times getting there, to say the least. And I can't help but wonder that when these disciples were first called, what is it that they thought they were being called to? What form of life was it that they were to lead? In what way would it be different for them now? One pastor once described uh, living the life as a disciple as seeing a cup of coffee in a cage. You need and you want that cup of coffee. But there's a cage around it. And it gets really hard to get to it. His point wasn't that discipleship was hard to get to, but rather that the disciple life is full of temptation and hardship where we often see what it is that we want or what we think we need and we know we shouldn't go get it. We shouldn't have it. That it wouldn't actually be good for us to go that route. Now, after last week where Marcus gave us a pretty good talk on the birds and the bees, I couldn't really pass up the opportunity to talk about 1 Corinthians 7. Especially after seeing in Scripture it actually saying, men who are married live as if you have no wife. Some might rejoice at that fact. (laughs) Some might take that as an opportunity to do things that they shouldn't be doing. Hence Marcus's talk last week on the birds and the bees. But what is it that Paul is actually getting at? And what on earth does this actually have to do with Christianity? What does this have to do with discipleship in any way? And what is this description of single living that doesn't seem to match up to my memory of single living in any way? It would be wrong for us to actually take 1 Corinthians 7 and to think that it's actually just talking about marriage and singleness. That really at the root of it is asking the question of what is your relationship with Jesus? What is your relationship with discipleship? How does it fit into the world that you are living in right now as a married person, as a single person? as a male or as a female or as a Seattleite. What is your relationship like with him right now? Now, Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, he's already by this point in time described a lot of marriage and singleness for us. And in fact, he's even said that some are are meant to be married and some are even meant to be single. And that if you are a person who is meant to be married, it is good, right, and salutary that you should be married. And if you are someone who is single, it is good, right, or maybe I should say meet, right, and salutary, to draw a difference at least, that you be single and to live your life in that way. And each using in that marriage or in that singleness the gifts of God for the glory of God. So that if you are someone who has at one time been married and is now single, either by death or otherwise, This is your state. 
and to go on living, to go on being His child, to go on giving Him glory in the things that you do. Because after all, life is full of all kinds of worrying, isn't it? Paul points out that it seems to be that in those relationships of marriage that the married man is constantly thinking of how to please his wife. My wife cannot give testimony to that problem. (laughs) To the married woman is constantly always thinking about how best to maintain her marriage and please her husband. And it seems in modern times that one might actually be more accurate than the earlier one. And the single person is called to love the Lord and and to think that way and to give their life over to the Lord. And so that is the way in which we should be. So the married man live as if you have no wife and the female, the wife, live as if you are not betrothed or engaged. What is this getting at and coming up against in our world? We often think about the idols that we build up in our own lives as being objects and things. After all, it's very easy for us to fall into the temptation of building up the idol of home, building up the idol of wealth, of image. A big one for us today is image and identity. To building up the idolship of of the very different material objects that we have, or, or if Seattle's more problem is the idols of experience. But how easy it is to also build up the idol of the wife or the husband, the idol of our home, made up of the two of us. Or how easy is it to build up the idol of your children? If there's any parents here, you may seem very familiar with that idol. To where oftentimes you have sacrificed even the things of God for your children. Because it's easy for them to take that position, to become the gods of our life. But you see, we have a God already. We have a God who has called us. We have a God already who has come to us. We have a God that actually gives us life. We have a God who has brought the gifts of God to us. We have a God who has died for us, who has given us all these things. We have a God who has taught even and said, as he hears of his brothers and his mother coming, who are my mothers and brothers? My mothers and brothers are here. Are you? We have a God who has even said and commented, that everyone who has left the houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Difficult readings for us. To hear of us having to forsake land, to forsake children and homes and husbands and wives for the sake of our Lord. Uh, Many have seen that to mean just that, to abandon their marriages, to abandon all the relationships that they've had, all using the excuse of the glory of God to get them out of it. 
but to do so would be unwise and also very poor reading. Because what we're being called to is that those relationships are not our first relationship. The relationship that is our first relationship is the relationship with Christ. That in Christ we see something new in our husband and our wife. In Christ we see our relationships as single people as something new in our life. That by Him and through Him these relationships have been made something special and have been given something special. His love. And when His love is present, He is present and first. So we are called to worship Him, to have Him as our God, not to have these relationships as our gods. Now this this all sounds a bit heady, and I can tell I'm already losing some of you. So let me, let me put it this way in the way that, that uh, C.S. Lewis does in Mere Christianity. In Mere Christianity, he starts describing this hard concept of love. And he talks about it in the way that the world often thinks about love. They're looking for something out of it. They're looking for feeling, emotion, security. They're looking for strength from it. And in fact, when we first have our first love, we find it. <clears throat> And many people try to maintain that level of intimacy and passion and feeling and experience as those first moments. And oftentimes, this is what we find in books and in movies and in songs. And C.S. Lewis takes a look at this desire and this way the world tries to push us in it, and he says, how boring. How boring to stay at the same state to stay in the same position all your life. How boring to have never gone through hardship and learned the true depth of love. How boring to have those simple, quiet nights and look at someone and say, this meatloaf is excellent. How, which I would never say, by the way. I don't like anything called loaf of meat. How boring would it be to live that way? And in fact, our world has found that to be true. Because so often, though, that is how they act and we act. We see those relationships fall apart because they were never built on true love. They were never built on a love that is sacrificed for us. They were never built on a love that brings life. They were built on an idea. They were built on an idol. We've been called to something different. We've been called into lives that do not worship the people in our lives, even our children. But we've been called to share the same love that we've received with those people through their failures, through their strengths, through the ways they've abandoned us, through the ways they even forgive us when we abandon them. We are to live as people who have found a greater love outside of our marriages, outside of our singleness, outside of a constant search for someone to fill the gaps in my life. 
We've been called to be people of his love, of his mercy, of his forgiveness. So we live that way. We live as people that are not looking and searching for someone else to bring love to me because we found it. We are not living in such a way, having to move from person to person to person because they can never provide us stability. That comes in the forgiveness of the cross. We do not look to other people to suddenly bring life into our hearts because that's already been done in the resurrection. We're not looking for someone to constantly provide their presence in our lives because Christ has already done that in his birth and coming to us. Rather, when we find people who become objects of the love that God has given us, we are led to sacrifice for them, to give what we have over for them, to honor them in such a way that it glorifies God, not them or myself. This is why discipleship can be hard. It's putting away those things of the world that try to find hope in idols of other people. It takes those idols away and it destroys them and it gives us Christ instead, who gives us an actual foundation for looking at each other and loving one another. That's how we are called to live. This is the ending that Paul gives to us in this section of 1 Corinthians 7. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Our undivided devotion to the Lord. That devotion comes in the form of Him being first in our life, whether it is as single or as married, whether it's in the acts of marriage or in the life of service and singleness. The Lord is first. The Lord defines all of those things after him. Amen?